GPS, powered by SAD. Welcome to Radio Primavera Sounds, and uh, very pleased to say we have with us Kelly Lee Owens. Kelly, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good, thank you, good. Um, coping okay, just had a coffee, uh, working on some music, so, you know, I'm, I'm in a very lucky position, and, and yeah, feeling okay at the moment. I hope I haven't interrupted you working on music. Well, you know, it's this is all part of my job, the, the, and connecting with people at the moment in any way, shape or form is really important to me, because I'm not getting to do that with my live shows. So I'm really craving this kind of, you know, interviews and speaking to people and reaching out to people in uh, as many ways as I can. So no, it's, it's, a, it's a privilege. Thank you. Well, good now. It's very nice to speak to you. So um, obviously you uh, have got a new album in a song coming out, but it, you've delayed it until August um, out of respect for record shops. Um, I wanted to ask, well, was that a hard decision to take given that you know, I've I've seen you speaking before about how music can heal and music can can help people. Was it a really difficult decision between like, well, this could, you know, this record could help people versus poor record shops. You know, they need what they what what they can get. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think I had, I had to think long term with this one because basically I want record stores to still be there for music to reach people in that way for time to come. So ultimately, you know, a few more months. Um, of people waiting, you know, and obviously there are fans that are waiting and have pre-ordered and I'm, I'm super grateful and lucky that that's the case. But I feel I'm dripping out little tracks and I, I did Night as a single, which wasn't planned at all. There's probably gonna be another single coming in June. So eyes and ears peeled. Um, so, you know, I'm still drip feeding stuff and, and still giving people little bits and nuggets here and there. But um, I wanted to just wait and uh, for this record, in a sense, to reach uh, as many people as possible, which actually in the long term for me is more important. Um, I mean, you, you, you've talked about sort of waiting. How, how is this, this period of, of uh, confinement going for you? Is it is it all right? OK, are you getting much done? Well, the first two, three weeks, absolutely nothing. <laughs> you know, and, and, I, and I think it's really important that people are able to say that. Like, I don't want to be here pretending that, yes, I've been super productive, the most productive in my life because I simply have more time. That's absolutely not the case. You know, this is a pandemic and this affects people's mental health and we have to really, really, and emotional health, and we have to be really honest about that and have like open and transparent conversations. And actually it's important to not push that cap capitalistic button still, you know, the doing and you're only valued if you're doing. That's absolutely, I don't agree with that. That's not, that's not what I believe in. And so I hope that people are like radically kind of compassionate with themselves during this time, yeah, so what? You watch Netflix all day and you ate pizza and then you had a takeaway curry. Whatever is good and whatever works for you. And um, of course, eventually to have some kind of routine is good and some rituals, but I would say that during any time, really. Have you been having weird lockdown dreams as well? Well, I actually always dream very vividly, so that's quite standard for me, but I've actually found the opposite. I haven't been able to remember my dreams so well, so I'm kind of like, flip reverse for some reason but they do say i think it's like um psychologists say that like when you dream uh, and you're vividly dreaming it's it's you actually processing 
a lot. So it's actually a very good sign when you dream vividly and you remember your dreams. So it's quite cool to write them down, have a little dream diary and stuff. It's quite very random, but I think it's interesting to read those things back. Does music ever come to you in dreams? It does, but that always escapes me. That is so, I mean, it, it's, it comes and it, and it feels strong, um, but I'm never able to capture it because it, when I'm waking up, it kind of slowly slips away. So I haven't had that cool story that I can say, oh, I had this melody in my dream and now it's, you know, a number one single yet. But, you know, there's still time. <laughs> exactly. So you said the inner song comes after the hardest three years of your life. I wanted to know, was it, was it hard to make music in, during those years? And does it make it hard to listen to the album now? Um, it's interesting because I didn't actually, I was touring so much. I was very lucky that my debut album just rippled organically and took its time in unfolding and unfurling to people. So I was continuously playing. I didn't actually have two and a half years I was just on the road ultimately and so I only started making it in February last year um, and at that point I think I was ready it was like the dam was ready to burst and I had a lot of ideas that were coming through I don't pre-plan but I it, I go with whatever I feel in that moment which are already somehow in like little drawers in my head here and there but you know only small ideas but it's not hard for me to listen to because I feel so proud that I was so honest and that I made this album with integrity and I didn't bow down to pressures of a second album that it should be anything. I just made what was truthful to me and I think in the long run that is something that can help others connect to it more deeply. It is a wonderful album. Um, and, and you talked about a body release trauma session. With someone uh, looking, so someone looking deep into your eyes for five minutes. I don't think I could handle that. I think. Well, that's what I really think. Oh, five minutes, sure, give it a go. But wow, it's so intense, and that's just how it starts. That's the beginning only, and that is to ensure that there's trust. It's kind of like when you think of like it's very primal, like a mother staring into a child's eyes. It's to say you're safe, that I'm here, that I'm present, and that you can trust me. And so you build that up over the very intense five minutes. And by the end of it, it becomes quite soothing, actually. Um, and then uh, the therapist will like work uh, down from the head to the feet and you will move your body and you'll make noises that come to you. And she said to me, the body actually knows what to do already. And I was thinking, yeah, yeah, whatever. And it did. It did know what to do. It was very strange. And in each thing, she guided me through. But ultimately, my body needed to move to shift trauma because we store trauma in our in our muscles and our body it's kind of like if you're being chased if you're it's not it's not i'm being chased by a lion if you're a zebra you're being chased by a lion fight or flight kicks in and so you obviously run but if you're caught the the, the nervous system shifts and it shifts into that you know we've all been curled up into a ball somehow everything shuts down that's because if you're about to be eaten uh, you won't feel as much pain and so we have these two systems but if, for example, the zebra doesn't run, uh, sorry, if it does get caught and then it's able to be free somehow, it will shake vigorously for five to ten minutes. And that's how it releases the trauma. And obviously, as humans, we don't really do that. So it's a beautiful way to, to release. Um, and after that, I, had, I was quite low for like a week, ten days, but that's when I wrote all of the lyrics for the album and it released all of that for me. So, Talking of the lyrics to the album, my favourite song i think i think because there's a few but i think is um corner of my sky with with john yeah. kale 
Yeah. Um, you wrote the the lyrics to that, I presume. I did. So I wrote the music, um, and I could hear John Cale's voice, <laughs> commanding kind of poetically natured voice on top. Now I'm very lucky that I can dream that in a sense, and then actually ask for it to happen, and it and it and it comes to fruition. So he he kindly said yes to it. And I asked him to talk about Wales, to talk about his homeland. We're both from the same place. And he did his own poetry. And then he had some singing in there and he spoke and sang some Welsh. And so he delivered that to me. Then I took all of that and arranged it. And so at the end, he says, I've lost the bet that words will come and wake me in the morning. And it sounds like he's about to say something else because he did. And so I edited that. and I was like, that has to be the end you know so it was a joy to work on and a, and a, and a pleasure to have him uh, contribute in any way to my my next body of work so, so you edited out that last line to give the feeling that's that it was hanging right absolutely yeah, yeah. And, and how was he how was he about that i mean you know he he had this thing pre- prepared you know presumably with a with a his aim in mind and then you you edited out the last line was it was he just fine yeah it's your record or? i mean i edited the whole thing so you know, it was completely there. But that last line was particularly poignant. I sent it to them, of course. You have to have approval and to make sure he's happy. And he loved it. And he was just so pleased with how it come together. And it made sense to him. And he said, listening back, that he was quite chuffed that his Welsh was not sounding so bad. And, you know, it was just kind of a nice thing to talk about. And that connection for him is important, too. So his connection to his homeland. So it was nice that we could... You were able to create this like psychedelic lullaby, as I call it. Do you still feel a very strong connection to Wales? I actually do the more I go forward in my life. You know, when you're like an angsty teen, you're like, oh, forget that, forget where I'm from. I don't need this place. I'm going to create a new identity, blah, blah, blah. It's only now that I appreciate, you know, our language, our history um, and the nature, of course, uh, that we have. And that's why so many people in this lockdown fled to Wales to the degree that they've had to close the borders because everyone's fucked in nature. And, and, and that's that's for a good reason, you know. Um, so, yeah, it, it kind of uh, blossoms the more um, I've been away from it. And I, I'm sure as an old lady, I'll... I'll go back to spend my last few years there at least, if, if not before, but it's, it's a wonderful place. Um, is there a song, not, not one of yours, but a song in general that really makes you think of Wales? Think of Wales. Um, well, it's, 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 it's a song that is sung by a Welsh choir, um, and it's called Mavanwy, and it just gets me every time, because, you know, the Welsh are known for being quite melancholic, <laughs> to say the least. Um, and we're okay with that. We own that. We're, we're, we're happy to go into our sadness and kind of transmute it into um, something that's hopeful and something with truth. And, and so there's a Treochi male voice choir who sang a version of Mavani. I actually have um, a vinyl in my collection of the Treochi male... Well, see, I can't. The copy has not kicked in yet but the male voice choir and um, there's nothing like hearing older men who have so many stories to tell sing together that emotion is just can't be beaten really have you ever thought maybe this is a stupid thing but have you ever thought of like doing a real dance floor song but in in welsh 
well, that may appear on the next album. I, I haven't quite begun that yet, but there's all of these ideas that are floating around in my head. And obviously with Melt, there was like sort of climate change issues being tackled in, in, in a way that's dance floor friendly, which is, you know, to spread ideas like religion does this with music. It's such a potent way to spread messages. And that can be good or bad, of course. And we have to be careful with that. Um, but yeah, that um, that would be wonderful. And I think there are artists, obviously, like Gweno, um, who are exploring Welsh language, um, and her sister Annie, actually, Annie Glass. And um, I think that's going to happen more and more. And we want to kind of be proud of where we're from. But it's it's different. It's not nationalistic. And you have to be careful with this. It's, it's, it's patriotic. And you have to remember Wales has been an oppressed country we weren't allowed to sing or we weren't allowed to speak in our in our language for quite a while and i think that pain is still there and thanks to people who've protected the language it still exists it very nearly died out so you know it's a beautiful thing um i i live in barcelona obviously the, the radio stations in barcelona i think they would very much identify with that with with catalan you know mm-hmm. because it's a it's a language that you know w- was was forbidden for a long while and you know people feel a real emotional uh, connection to as well well, that's, it's huge, isn't it? It's, it's a huge part of your identity and your culture. And language is, it can be used, well, it's communication. So if you're blocked in communicating in that way, that's the only, that's the only thing that they can't control to a degree or, they, or you didn't think they could control. And then so they somehow manage to get into that psyche of people that, that when there's fear there and it's just such a sad thing so you know I, I support people who who want to keep that and protect that it's it's so precious you talked about melt um which is uh another one of my my favorite songs <laughs> um and it's one of the things i like about it it's, a, it's about climate change but in a very sort of subtle way that it sounds you know like like water dropping um in terms of electronic music do you think people get that these get these kind of messages i mean there's a very popular theory that i don't really subscribe to but there is that you know it's just all about release and people just want to go and and dance they're not paying any any attention but do you think people get something deeper than that I think that, I mean, ultimately, like, everything is energy and everything is vibration. And I feel like if something contains glacial ice melt, I feel like somehow that is going to penetrate, like, the body or the psyche in, in some way. And we're talking quite spiritually here in a sense, but then also scientifically. Um, when you listen to anything um, with the vibrations, it, it becomes part of you. And I think that's really important to remember. So that's why it's important to recognize and pay attention to the degree of what you're actually listening to. Because the messaging in songs, especially in pop, can be quite damaging. This is what I believe. And it really came up for me with this album. The lyrics were important. This is why they were on top in the production this time. I had to be honest about my experiences. And one of them says in the chorus, love is not enough to stay, to be in love with someone that's not enough to stay in a bad situation. I'd rather be on my own. When do you hear people say that it's all about like, I know like I keep saying Britney Spears, but I was born to make you happy. Like what? You know, like it sounds ridiculous, but there's all of this weird, strange, odd messaging in, in music and in song, and it's very powerful and we do underestimate it. So that was in my psyche. And, um, you know, so two different songs, three different songs. I was very conscious of what was being said, basically.
Um, Jeanette, uh, another song on the new album, is a tribute to your gran, um, who um, died recently. Um, is this sort of the most emotional song you, you've ever written? Or was it, was it hard to write something like that? Well, it's interesting because I actually finished the album um, before she died. So I, what I did do is more of a tribute, and I wanted to name something after her. And that one was so quite uplifting. And it keeps lifting and lifting and going and going. And she was this bright energy, you know, pure sunshine energy. And so it fits with that song. So she represents that expansiveness to me and that warmth. And I felt like that was one of the tracks that like represented her the best. And also what I did was I engraved her name within every vinyl. So it's in the inner groove. So within every copy, there'll be Jeanette as well. And, you know, this person, my biggest supporter, number one fan, she was there at my first ever show. Wow. Um, she got up on stage, there's like a, a YouTube video of that. It was like somewhere in London in a, in a basement. She was there, she was up on stage dancing with me. Like this woman, absolutely phenomenal. So, you know, she heard the album and she, oh, your voice sounds beautiful, Kelly, you know. Um, I, I'd always run things by her. And um, yeah, so she had to be part of it. Did she have a favorite song on the new album? She really liked Lime. She really liked that. She loved the arrangement and she liked the strings and she loved how forward my voice was. She was always telling me, stop being so shy about it. You know, put it up there, girl. Come on, you know, get it out there. I mean, you got to listen to your Nana, you know. Exactly. If she says it, yeah, you got to do it. Yeah, exactly. Um, also on the, the new album, you, uh, you open it with a cover of Radiohead's Arpeggi. Which, it, it's a lovely cover. Was it a difficult thing to do? You know, a cover by such a well-known band. I, I always giggle if people ask me about this because I feel a bit shy about it because I love Radiohead. This is like sacrilege. I, I don't know. This is just something that it probably shouldn't have been done. But I just was like, it's called arpeggi. To me, when I think of arpeggios, I think of synths. I was like, this, this, I don't think this is synth in it or you know it's guitars so I it. So I was like I'm just gonna give it a go and it's the first thing I did it's about a year before I started the actual album I just always wanted to do it and, you know I covered the Leo which you know again for a white girl kind of like bold I tried to do it as respectfully as I could it was about the music and Timbaland's production and her vocals and like just picking that apart and making a simple little tribute to it and um, this one I tried to sing on top of it and very quickly realized you, you shouldn't do that leave it out if you're not tom york forget it unless he's gonna sing on it not interested so i just thought it was quite fun with the synths and also i put it at the beginning because it was the beginning it was the first thing i did towards the album and also it represented for me coming out of the dark it's quite murky and coming back up into some sort of light or heading towards the light and so um i think about all of these things um probably too much but yeah <laughs> I, I, it's, it's a lovely cover, and one of the things I really like about it is um, it sets the album off on quite an unexpected tone. Because yeah. it, it, when I listened to it, I was like, I know this, but I couldn't quite place it. And I was like, oh, why have I heard it before? And it, you know, it wasn't like covering Creep, where I'd immediately be like, okay, that, that's Creep. It was like, yeah, I've definitely heard yeah. this quite a few times. But um, so it really it, it gets you in like a. a a weird space which is quite nice to listen to music I think. well that's what's interesting is like my label boss Joachim and um, he he's not interested in Radiohead which I can't relate to don't care why I don't want to know um, but he loved it and I was like okay so I don't know if that's a good thing because I mean Radiohead fans will hate this but then I was like well Tom York 
his albums, his solo albums, he it kind of it sounded like he could have done like a, a, a sort of demo of Tom York stuff, you know. Um. So oh sorry. So basically, um, I think it's good that it's not so obvious, and I think it's good that it kind of makes people feel a familiarity, like you say. Um, but yeah, time will tell. And if, if Tom York ever listens to it, who knows? He might hate it. But I, I think it's all right. I think it's quite good. I would say the chances of him listening to it are about 95%. I'd be very surprised if he didn't. It's funny because you never think about that. You never think about these people. But then, like, you know, Björk and stuff, she asked me to do a remix, and that was still quite surreal to me that these people had heard it, you know? So, um, in a slightly sort of uh, personal question, if you don't mind, you, you, um, you moved to Manchester to work at a cancer treatment hospital um, at 19. That's obviously an incredibly difficult job to do um how did you were you making music at the time and how did you feel about make about making music i mean i can't imagine what it would be like going from that to you know um sitting down and 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 making music it must have been uh, i don't know if it's perfect or if it's like a very strange contrast it is funny because i used to think of it as very separate to the other thing i wanted to do which was to make music but it was only when I actually got round to making the first record and then I spoke to the, my, my PR um, in, in America and she was like, I was not going to mention that to her. When I told her, she was like, this makes so much sense. Like there's elements of healing. And I was like, is there? I didn't even realize somehow. Um, but yeah, um, it's all part of, of the same thing. Like music helps us profoundly. That's why we all do what we do. We're, we're obsessed because of the profound impact that it has on our lives. and and the gratitude we feel towards it and the connectedness we feel from it. Like that's why we're all here. And um, uh, for me, I always felt in the cancer hospital what was missing was some kind of sense of creativity to transmute the pain of what was happening or to try to help them understand it. There were all these things I was thinking a bit bit wider. And of course the NHS can only do so much at the end of the day. But um, it was actually the people who I took care of that, that were asking me, what do I want to do? That perspective on, on, on death helped me personally to live. And that there is that saying that to, to die well is simply to live well. Um, you talked recently um, about uh wanting to be an end of life is it doula or dowler doula a, as far as i doula. know yeah which is a person who sort of assists in in the process of um of dying mm-hmm. um again how important do you think music can be in in that process um i think that it's the same with death i think it sorry with life i think it can assist specific moments so specific pieces um, some for some people it will be their favorite pieces of music not stuff that you imagine would be kind of soothing someone into the next phase or the end of their life however you view it um, for me you know I'd have to work with that person and, and I think of like a, putting a plan in place you know um, but I think it's really important because a lot of people actually and especially at the moment it's happening where they die alone and I just think whatever works, whatever helps ease that situation, that moment of transition as I see it, um, you know, and to have a doula there as with people coming into the world, going out and dying the best 
that is possible, which we never say, we're afraid to say to die well, mm. or even afraid to talk about that, that's controversial somehow, how can you die well? And obviously not everyone has the privilege of dying well, that's, that's a hugely privileged thing in a sense to be able to do. Um, at the moment, you know, that's not possible and it's, it's, it's so frightening for so many people. And so I'm not trying to belittle that in any sense. I just, if it's possible, I think there are ways to help ease that situation for people. Have you thought, and again, this is very personal, so feel free to utterly ignore the, the question <laughs> and tell me to go away. Have you ever thought about the music you, you would like to listen to um, if, you know, if you, if you would, were dying? I mean, I, I asked this because this is something I've, I've thought about. So I don't know why, but for some reason I've thought about it, you know, quite, quite a lot ever since I was yeah. a child. And occasionally I remember, for example, Ride's Vapor Trail. I remember thinking very, mm-hmm. very vividly when I was about 14, I would love to listen to that song if, yeah. if I was dying. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Is it, is it something you've thought of? Um, yeah, but it, mine's more in a kind of like, I imagine like the hip, what would be seen as a hippie uh, perspective, <laughs> where it's like, there's a lot of specific frequencies um, that I resonate with. And some of them are like a, a, a sequence of them called the solfeggio frequencies, um, which are yeah different resonances, um, which really soothe me. And I think in that moment, what it's all about usually is, is easing anxiety and allowing and encouraging that person to let go. Often people are holding on to life, and there's many reasons for that. You know, it's loved ones, it's family, it's waiting for family. Like when my nana passed, she waited for me, she held on. When I arrived, you know, when she opened one eye, and the amount of strength it must have taken for that to happen, you know, and that was the last time she opened her eyes. So it's even within the transitions of death, there's still anxiety and all of these things. So it's best somehow to like try to alleviate that. So I imagine more ambient, pieces and um, it's a good question because obviously before I would ever become a death dealer I'd have to know what my my package might look like in that sense you know
sorry, from the Sublime to the Ridiculous. New, the new album is a Seskia album or a triple-sided album. Why? What drove that? Oh, just my um, audiophile uh, obsessiveness. So with the last record, we basically, it was a bit shorter in, in, in length. So we could squeeze uh, everything on two sides. But I actually had to, had to remaster the album for vinyl. Uh, because the the frequency there's so much bass basically, <laughs> and that takes up a lot of space on on vinyl. So this time I was like, none of that. It has to be what it needs. It's going to be three sides or it's going to be four sides, which you know is more expensive to press. But after all the work that goes into it, the mixing, the mastering, that's after the creating and the production side. It's like we need it to be the best quality it it can be. You know, it's just to honor um, the work that's been created basically. There's a temptation, I think, with um, a lot of musicians that uh, to fill every available second, you know, like when when CDs became big, people started releasing albums that were 78 minutes long or whatever. Were were you tempted? Were you like, right, okay, I could just get something on on side four now? Oh, no, no. I was like, it is what it is. I'm actually the opposite. I'm always when I've made something, I'm always stripping it back. I'm always muting things. I'm always taking it like space is so important. Space allows you to be able to kind of reflect in that moment, even if it's just a minutiae of a moment. And actually, that's what the fourth side became about, is that you can actually turn it around and spin it and you'll see the um, etching on it. And it's kind of like the integration of what you've listened to, which is as important. Silence is as important after listening to something than the thing that you're listening to itself. So one last question. Um, what song should we play out with and why? Can be yours, doesn't have to be. Oh, well, I would say uh, Luminous Faces right. by myself and John Hopkins. And I'm only saying this because it's so uplifting. I made this before my nan passed and John and I had it to ourselves, like two little kids for about three months. And I kept going, I'm listening to it again. And he's like, oh, bloody hell. You know, it was one of those things that it just gave me so much joy and I, it was something that uplifted me and so I feel like we all need that at the moment so yeah I would say luminous spaces
Oh, mm-hmm.